to head on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wigan and with me today is balding but beautiful Logan Stump. Thank you. That, that's the nicest compliment everybody's ever given me about the hairline receding like a 50-year-old man. <laughs> <laughs> I had to mention that because you mentioned uh, my hair uh, when we yeah, were recording with Todd. I know. I'm going to have to do it. That's a dig, um, and I'm sorry. That's all right. So we are going to be previewing our Philadelphia Union Preview podcast. That's what we're going to be uh previewing with you guys here today uh logan who do we got yeah so we got todd lewis coming on uh yeah friend of the show todd lewis uh the free kick pod is where you can find his union podcast um and he announced on here that he is a press pass member for the philadelphia union so he'll be covering and getting some insider uh for the philadelphia union so it'll be cool to have him back on um, and he claims, and I think it's right, uh, to be Maryland's number one Philadelphia Union podcast. So uh, excited to have Todd on yeah. for now. Okay. <laughs> Whoa, Jordan. I'm Whoa, kidding. Jordan. I'm not coming for you, Todd. No. <laughs> we we will be Maryland's number one MLS. There we go. U.S. Men's podcast. Let's do it. That's what we will be. I know. Right now, it seems to be that way for uh, you know Florida. I guess right. <laughs> that's one of our highest listened. That's great. Yeah. Um, and California. So shout out cali and, and florida there you go <laughs> uh yeah so let's go ahead and welcome on friend of the show todd lewis the stateside soccer show talking the beautiful game in the land of the free breaking down major league soccer u.s men's national team and more with logan and jordan and we are now welcoming in todd lewis from the free kick pod how are you today todd I'm doing great. Uh, Jordan and Logan, how are you guys? Good. Friend of the show, you've been on before. We talked uh, the possibility of the union winning the Supporter Shield right before they decided they weren't going to award the Supporter Shield. And then later that week or two, they decided, yes, we will award the Supporter Shield. It was kind of a turbulent time. And uh, I was on your show before talking some union. I think it was after MLS is back. Um, it was before one of the Rev games that we played out of the million Revolution games we played. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I think last season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
But yeah, thanks for jumping on here. Uh, the first question we like to ask, and people may be familiar with you because of, you know, uh, you being on before, but uh, if you could go through how long you've been following the union and when you started podcasting about them. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I've been following the uh, Philadelphia Union since near the ter- tail end of 2017. Uh just decided, you know, it was time to pick an MLS team. It was either that or DC United. Uh, like you said, I've been on the show before. People listening to my show uh, know that I'm based in Maryland, just like you, Jordan. So people are like, oh, yeah, why not DC Same United? county. Yeah, Harco, yeah, yeah. represent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Same county and everything. <laughs> so people are like, uh, yeah, why not DC United? It's quote unquote closer. I'm like, eh, yeah, it's just not doing it for me. So uh, yeah, I've got into the team near the end of 2017. I've been podcasting since. January of 2018, I started off doing kind of like you guys other show uh, talking about the Premier League. And then I was like, uh, yeah, let me uh, this isn't as enjoyable anymore. Let me do something more local. So then I got into the Philadelphia Union uh, podcasting scene in 2019, I believe it was. Yeah, 2019. And uh, yeah, I've been doing it ever since. And um, yeah, it's been a blast just covering the union talking about the union going to games uh sucks last year you know uh with mls just COVID and everything going on last year i guess would have been the official first year for our whole season talking about the union but you know COVID hits and then you just you just do what you can right and uh yeah j- just super excited that now this season it looks like we're gonna have a full season and now i guess i can officially have a full season talking nothing but philadelphia union that's exciting. Um, you know, uh, I think people do not realize as well that uh, where the union are based in Chester is actually much closer to us here in Northern Maryland than uh, trying to get through the DC traffic. <laughs> uh, it's just right off 95, you know, it's going up 95 and then getting on to uh, um taking an exit right to uh, the water pretty much for the, uh, for the union. Um, so it's a nice, easy trip. Uh, but so let's, let's talk about, so relatively short time being a union fan, uh, 2017, uh, they were consistently kind of competitive in that time. Uh, we finally got over the hump this year, won our first trophy. The one time I couldn't be in the stands for a trophy. It's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll forgive them for that. But uh, what are some of your favorite memories as a union supporter and what have been some of your highlights covering the club? So on your podcast, you can kind of answer that, like some highlights as a podcaster, but also as a supporter, uh, some of your favorite memories. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, uh, first off, I start about, like you said, you know, kind of getting into the fan base around 2017 and then onward. That's when the the team started going up and up and up. And then we saw in 2019 when their first playoff game, 2020, they win the first trophy. And so, uh, so some fans of the team joked and said, hey, look, you're, you're the good luck charm. You're the reason that the team's playing good and everything. It's like, oh, because you started this podcast and now the union are playing good. So, you, you know, I'll take that, right? Uh, <laughs> I'll take all the credit for that. Ernst Tanner putting this team together. Yeah, Ernst did nothing. It was because I, I started this podcast, right? So the union are playing good because of me. No, I, I kid. You know, there's um, it's been a lot of good memories in this short year. Uh, it's been a little bit over a year that I've started the podcast. Uh, just off the top of my head, I remember when MLS is back first started down in Orlando. I was like, yeah, what, what, what am I going to do? Like, 
how, how am I going to work this out? Because as you guys remember, I'm sure some of the games were playing in the morning and um, a lot of us, I'm sure, work in the morning. So how are you going to watch games and work? And then some of the games were super late at night. I remember that game against Inter Miami or Milan uh, was at, I think, 10 o'clock. It was supposed to start, it said, but we all know. Yep. MLS says, yeah, 30 minutes. We're going to start 30 minutes after we say the game's going to start. So that game took off at 1030. And um, yeah, I, I think right after that game, when, like I said in the introduction, uh, when I first started podcasting, I got into just covering the Premier League. I've uh, been a fan of soccer since 2007. And when I was doing my Premier League podcast, I had somebody reach out to me named Jordan Floyd. Uh, he's an author of a book called When uh, Red Wine and Arapers, how Venezuelans, uh, it's basically a book about how just Venezuelans got into soccer. And so this guy reached out to me. He's like, Hey, can I promote my book on your show? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, yeah, I'm a Southampton supporter. I'm like, that's great. Let's talk about Southampton. We can talk about your book. And so I let him come onto my show. And then a year later, he finally was done writing the book and it was about to be released. And that's around the time that I switched over to doing nothing but MLS. And so I was like, Hmm, well, I'm not really doing Premier League anymore. I would love to have you on. And yeah, you can definitely come on and talk about your book. But, you know, how can we tie this into MLS? And so the crazy thing is, like in this book, he, he a lot of the book has Carlos Carras, uh, God, what's his name? Uh, it plays for the New York, New York Red Bulls, uh, Venezuelan uh, midfielder. Oh, God, I almost said Carrasco. That's not it. Uh, it begins with a C. I forget what it is. Uh, sorry, I'm not a Red Bull fan. But yeah, the, this guy from the New York Red Bulls is featured heavily in the book. And Aurelian Collin, who plays for the Philadelphia Union, had a little appearance in the book. And Jordan had Aurelian Collin's number. And Jordan was like, you know, you've been so kind to me over the last year and everything. He's like, I'm going to do your solid. I'll hit up Aurelian Collin, see if he wants to come onto your podcast. So uh, when the Philadelphia Union were down in the bubble in Miami, I mean, in Orlando, right after that Inter-Miami game, Colin came onto my podcast, gave me about 20 minutes of his time, and we talked about the Inter-Miami game, just how inconsistent the refs are in MLS, just uh, his time with the union and just how the team was playing at the time, and uh, talked about, you know, who has the best fashion on the team. And I think he said Ali Bedoya, because um, if you guys don't follow Colin, when he was with uh, Sporting Kansas City, he had his own clothing brand and everything, and he's big into fashion. And then later on in his career, he kind of – got away from his own clothing brand and so i was like well i know you still like fashion even though you're not making your own clothes and everything so i was like who 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 has the best fashion sense and he's like oh yeah ali bedoria if i had to say and yeah i had a nice little chuckle over that he wouldn't give credit to any of the younger younger players and i was like hey fair play to you so uh yeah that was super cool having aurelian colin come onto the podcast um let, let's see i mean just talking to union fans uh, it's been phenomenal just learning the backstories, how they got into the team, listening to fans that were a part of the Sons of Ben from the very, very beginning, seeing fans go through the dark times of the union. And then, you know, just getting all those depressing stories since I wasn't around for those times uh, being a fan. And then the golden uh, years of Tom yeah, Lewis. Exactly, yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> I'll take all that credit. Uh, so yeah, th those are some of the moments that really stand out to me. Um, the union playing wise on the field, obviously the supporters shield, which I'm so sure we're talking about uh, yeah. being in the stands of that uh, four, three union victory in the playoffs against the pink cows. 
staying in the the rain uh that was so crazy seeing marco fabian score the game winning goal the only good thing that he ever did for the union <laughs> uh, uh, a lot of fans i'm sure will agree with that uh what, what else stands out i mean look we can even look at last season's game the last game before the league shut down against lafc that yes. ended at 3-3 uh jacob lesnar scoring this banger of a goal now and this is the crazy thing that i was thinking about like yes when people in europe woke up like it was going viral, but can you imagine if that was like a Saturday game and let's say the game kicked off at five o'clock and it's like 10 o'clock over in England and everything like, I feel like that would have blown up even more. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, just that three, three game against LAFC and all, all union friends are like, man, we, we lost to Dallas. We're going to lose to LAFC because look, they're, they're LAFC. How, how are we going to compete against them to see the union score the first goal and then to give up a goal and then to score the second goal, and then give up another goal yeah. and then score another goal and they give up the other goal. And it's like, we talk about a crazy game. And I don't think that game ended until one o'clock uh, in the late. On yeah. Eastern, uh, Eastern uh, standard time. And yeah, that was a really, really good moment. Uh Going to my first game in 2019, even though they lost against Toronto, it was another good one. Uh, saw Marco Fabian score a penalty. Uh, Michael Bradley just looked like old Michael Bradley in that game. It was funny uh, watching little kids flip off Michael Bradley. It's like, yeah, this is how you know you. I do just want to say Caceres. Is it Caceres? Christian yeah, Caceres it, Jr.? Yeah, yeah, okay. I looked it up. Yeah. Uh, so for anybody interested in who uh, Todd was talking about there, and just one last thing before I let Logan jump in here with the question. Sorry, Logan. Oh, man, uh, you guys just reminisce, I if guess. you just wanted to talk real quick, Todd, about what you kind of do on your podcast in the offseason, because I think it's very unique uh, compared to some other podcasts out there. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, uh, I, I've this is my second year doing it, second season doing it, where I do a union trivia game show, basically, where I – and it's really helped me honestly like go through the earlier years of the union find out the history of the team so uh i'll do all this research find out questions bring on 16 union fans to compete against each other uh last year what did i give away i think i just gave away bragging rights this year uh, whoever wins the tournament gets a jersey and so yeah i had 16 uh union fans come on last season 16 union fans come on this season to go head to head against each other in a little trivia show that I put together. And I got that idea again, just going back to when I was doing the Premier League podcast, I remember I got invited on to a show called Who Who Kicked the Corner Flag, which was uh, three guys that were based out of Kansas City, I believe it was. And so I was like, I had a blast being on their show. And I was like, hmm, like, even though I'm not doing Premier League stuff anymore, I was like, what can I do in the offseason? I was like, since I had such a great time being on their show, doing that quiz tournament, I was like, why, why not do that for the Philadelphia Union? And like you said, Jordan, nobody else, literally nobody else that does Union podcasts are doing that. And so like, I was like, yeah, this is going to make me stand out. And uh, it's been amazing. Like when I first did it last season, just when MLS shut down because of COVID, uh, it, it didn't take off as much as I thought it would, but I had a lot of blast doing it. And the 60 people I had on the show, they, they, they had a blast. And so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll give it another go. And yeah, the, the number numbers from last season to this season have doubled, which is great. And it's probably partially due to me doing the podcast for a little bit over a year now, but yeah, I mean, it's, that that's what I do in the off season or God forbid MLS shuts down again. I, I would do another <laughs> tournament and let's hope it doesn't. Uh, but yeah. And before that, I, I would just, like I said earlier, I bring on Philadelphia union fans 
find out like I did with you, Jordan, yeah. uh, how fans got into the union, just hear the backstories, talk about some of the favorite movements from being a Philadelphia union fan. Uh, I've started doing just like you guys do. I'll when MLS kick back off, bringing on fans or not even fans, uh, journalists or play-by-play uh, voices for different MLS teams onto the podcast to preview uh, Philadelphia Union games, seeing what the Union fans have to look forward to against so-and-so teams. So I had on uh, Chris Doran, who is the play-by-play voice for Columbus Crew. I had Jordan Angeli, who's the play-by-play voice and sideline reporter for the Columbus Crew on the TV side of things. Mm-hmm. I had Brad Feldman come on. He's the play-by-play voice for the New England Revolution. And I think I had one more person. If I didn't, then great. But, yeah, that's the plan this season, just to bring on more play-by-play guys, uh, bring on journalists, people that, you know, are pre-after game hosts, just whatever. Because, look, I'm sure you guys have figured this out. It's It's so much better to bring on – guests of that specific team than you guys doing all the research and yeah. you know t- yeah. you know doing the research and knowing what you're talking about but it's like somebody that's watched this team for years on uh, years upon years it's it's so much better hearing it from their perspective and so i was like yeah i can bs my way through it but it sounds so much better bringing somebody in that this is all they do is cover this team whether it's they podcast whether it's like i said play by play they write about about them so yeah that's what my podcast is based off of and then uh, usually when a game finishes i'll talk about myself just my thoughts on the game or i'll talk about uh whatever i can talk about with other union fans because look i I started this podcast to give union fans a voice and uh, that's again just look there's about six or seven other union podcasts and i was like that's great and everything happy for them but how can i stand out be different and one thing i figured out is they're not bringing on other union fans to talk about the backstory talk about games or like you said jordan starting that trivia show so uh i think that's what helps me stand out and just i think union fans appreciate it just hearing in other voices other than mine so yeah that's basically how my show is and uh very recently i just got approved for a media pass for the union so i'll be attending press conferences and uh see what happens with that Congratulations on that. That also, is awesome. Yeah. I, I have, I, I almost put my name in the ring this year for the trivia contest, Shut up. but I was like, I'm going to get embarrassed so bad <laughs> by these other people that I was like, I'm not going to do it. So, so hey, maybe hey, next year, if you do it again. Yeah, yeah definitely. Look, I, I had, I think one guy score three and another guy score four. So if you would have done better than that, Hey, you're going off good, Jordan. So. There we go. <laughs> but look, like I told those guys all the time, th- these guys would be so much better than me because look, 2017 i'm good 2019 2020 when i watch every single game went to every single game uh anything else yeah i'd probably struggle with so i'm sure you do better than me jordan (laughs) i was gonna say jordan's success with trivia is quite funny but an extensive i'm right sure that eventually at some point but todd i I think it's so cool because jordan and i we we got a guy from austin because it felt like the right thing to do, get a fan in there. And you're right. I think the connectedness of the fans and somebody talking about it and covering the league or talking about their team and just getting a perspective that you just don't get with some of the guys that cover the team and that's it. They cover it. Um, you don't really get the inside scoop or really honestly what it's like to be in the stands as a fan and kind of observe it that way. But um, this kind yeah, of goes what, in. Sorry, Go ahead, Logan, just real quick. I had, yeah. For anybody that wants to know, I had Todd on, last year and uh it was right after he went to one of the first games back at the stadium so i was able to ask him a little questions about how that was working so if you're interested in that you can go back and find that 
Good memory. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we'll get into the, the one question you alluded to it. Um, and I know you want to talk about it. And I would too. Uh, just run us through that supporter shield. What that was like for you as a fan and somebody that covers the team. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that uh, it was crazy, right? Uh, only 2,000 fans, uh, including players and staff and everything, were allowed in the stadium. And uh, look, uh, the union, they never make anything easy, right? And of course, they had to leave it to the last game. They could have got it done in Columbus, which was going to be very, very difficult. Andre Blake at the time fractured his thumb, hand, something he did. And so we had to start Joe Bendick. And we're like, okay, well, this guy's MLS experience. And yeah, that, that game against Columbus, uh, man, not, 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 not a good day for Joe Bendick and goal. And so then uh, what does Jim Curtin do? He says, do we bring up this young, basically unproven goalkeeper and Matt freeze that came through our Academy or do we go with Joe Bendick again? And sure enough, he goes with Matt freeze. Matt freeze keeps a shutout against new England. Uh, everybody's super happy for Matt freeze. And uh, I'm sure I'll talk about Matt freeze probably a little bit later. Uh, if we talk about Andre Blake, but yeah, just, being in there, it's like, okay, this is this is pretty dicey from Jim Curtin. Throwing out Matt Freeze's first action all year in a must-win game. Now, granted, if the Union didn't win that game, uh, they needed New York Pink House to beat Toronto FC, which I believe they did. So the Union would have won it either way. But, you know, when it's in your hands, you want to take care of your business and not rely on other people. So we're, we're all constantly checking our phones because for the longest time, it was nil-nil. And it's like, okay, come on, Union. You've got to score a goal. You've got to score a goal. And they eventually score a goal. And then Corey Burke, I believe, gets the second goal in that game. And with like five minutes left, uh, I think people are singing um, Bohemian Rhapsody in the River End. And yeah, that, that place was going nuts, watching people cry and everything. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. Like, like I said, look, I came in 2017. And I can't imagine what somebody that's been in the Sons of Ben since 2007, became a fan of the team in 2010, seeing the Union blow so many losses in the U.S. Open Cup. I, I can't imagine, you know, how they felt to actually finally see the Union lift a trophy. And finally, like in Subaru Park, and it, it, it sucks, right, that that stadium couldn't be full. And for us 2,000 fans that were in that stadium, we, we made it sound like it was packed with 18,500 fans in that stadium just from the start of the game, especially to the end of the game. And, um, yeah, I mean, we had great weather, too. And I think that that definitely plays a boost in people's morale. But it's still, like, th thinking about it, like, yeah, the Philadelphia Union are 2020 Supporters' Shield winners. And like Jordan said, we, we talked about, yeah, they might not give the Supporters' Shield trophy out at all. And, okay, well, then I don't care. But now, obviously, since the Union won it, now I care. I'm all about the Supporters' Shield. And so it, it was so cool to see – and the, the, the players just go around the whole stadium saluting the fans, uh, seeing the fireworks, seeing just all the smoke bombs the Sons of Ben had, and them just turning it golden and blue. Uh, yeah, it was just so surreal. And I, I don't know, like part of me still is like, yeah, we won a trophy. Like it, it feels like it's not real at all. <laughs> I took a video of it on my on my phone because you know they cut off the celebration on the TV, mm. and then it was just on the YouTube. Well, I mean, it was, you were there, right? So it was yeah. then. So they cut it off right after they handed it to him, pretty much, I think. And then uh, it was on Facebook. The rest of it, so <laughs> I had it on Facebook, and I just recorded the screen. <laughs> and it's like got eight the, minutes long or whatever. I got that message later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you sent it over. Um, are, are you still are you still having a hard time finding merchandise for that? 
Didn't you say there was a hard time finding they, it? They've not produced any merchandise about That's the supporter annoying. show win. It was something I think with the supporter or the yeah. players association yeah. released something, but you would think that there would be a sec like okay, like I said before. Sorry, Todd, to go on a rant here, but if I if the Baltimore Ravens can win the AFC North, which is a meaningless thing, winning your division, and then I can go buy AFC North merchandise, winners of the AFC North. Why can't I buy a Supporter Shield Union shirt? Like Supporter Shield winners, you know? It's kind of upsetting. Yeah, I don't think uh, I could be totally. Because they don't have the rights. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. MLS isn't allowed to create that uh, attire and everything because they, like you said, they don't own the rights. So it's up to the supporters teams to come up with the merchandise, which I believe the Sons of Ben are going to soon. I think I read. Uh, okay. These uh, some merchandise. So I don't know. We might be in luck finally, Jordan. That, yes, that'd be great. <laughs> so speaking of cornerstones and kind of just uh, you know reminiscing, can you speak to um, Ray Gaddis hanging up his boots, retiring and heading off into the sunset? Uh, I mean Ray, uh, it caught me by surprise, honestly. Because same, yeah. I, I think we all expect it. Nate Harriel, who was signed from our academy came through our academy and i believe uh, we we got his rights from orlando city who you're a fan of logan and orlando city sold the rights to the union and spent one season in the academy and now like okay he's going to play on the team in 2021 and he's going to learn from ray gaddis and then 2022 uh we'll see him and ray gaddis deck it out but no we don't even get to see that it's going to be nate harriel and olivier and Bizo just duking it out and listening to jim Curtin speak in his press conference uh this past weekend uh week sorry he said that yeah it's it's an open competition at the right back spot both nate and uh, olivier are looking looking good at right back it's he, he wouldn't give us any insight on who has the upper edge he said you know it's it's good competition. So that, that's all we have on it. Uh, I think a lot of fans fully expect it to be in Bizo to start at right back because he has experience with the union, played a lot of games last season for the union when Ray Gattis had breaks. We also seen Olivier Mbizo play, I think, three or four times for the Cameroon national team, which is always good to see players play for the national team because that's just going to increase their value. And uh, I don't know if I said this on my show because, you know, I'm sure just like you guys, you guys are always talking with each other about soccer. So you can't remember. Yeah, we don't remember. What yeah, we you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I, don't, I don't know if I said this on my show or if I was just talking to somebody about this. But I, I said, honestly, I, I believe Mbizer is going to be the starting right back for the union. Nate's going to get some chances as the right back. But I believe Mbizer is going to see most of the action. And if he has a great season, I can fully see the union come 2022 sell Mbizo to whoever in Europe just because he has that experience playing for Cameroon he, he's 23 24 years old and it's not old right I mean maybe it's a little bit old to get a jump over into Europe but just like playing for the national team is so huge and I don't know if people realize that like teams value that so much and yeah what we're seeing in MLS right now so many players get sold to European teams. And granted, they're younger than Mbizo is, but MLS isn't becoming a retirement league anymore. It's becoming a selling league. And look, I'd much rather MLS be a selling league than for it to be a retirement league. And I'm sure you guys would as well. And so if Mbizo has a great season for the union, I fully expect him to be sold for whatever Ernst wants to get, he can get. Because Ernst Tanner just, I mean, this guy just turns nothing into gold so i fully trust ernst tanner if he gets a good offer that it will be in best interest for the union 
And I know that was also a debate for the union. Like, okay, look, we, we don't have many international roster spots. And Bizer, I'm sure, would be one of the players that we would cut. Maybe he's one of the players in the MLS draft that we don't protect. Well, you know, doing some digging, apparently nobody knew this. And Bizer got accepted for his green card uh, and sometime in 2020. And it's like, what? Like, nobody knew this. And so I was There's like, the hey. transparency, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Oof, talk about transparency in this league. And don't even get me started on, like, when players sign contracts, they don't tell you for how long it is. They don't tell you how much money they're making uh, when they're selling players. Yeah, you, you don't really find out any of that. And you see it all the time in Europe. It's like, yes, okay, this player signed a contract until 2025. Uh, we played this much money. Yeah, you don't get that in MLS. You hate it. But uh, I don't know. Maybe things will change in a few years. Probably not. Uh, so, yeah, Ray, Ray Gaddish just retiring. Uh, caught me totally by surprise. But, hey, look, he gets to go out as a champion. And it's a pretty cool way to go off, right? Say, so, yeah, look. Uh, I started in 2012, got drafted from West Virginia University, uh, played as a left back, even though I'm a natural right-footed player. I did whatever the team wanted me to do, and I'll forever be grateful for that. I, I can't re- remember the earlier years of Ray Gaddis when the union sucked, but I, I said it on my sh- show for sure that the one memory that sticks out for me for Ray Gaddis is in 2019, the last game of the season against New York City. Uh, New York City was were up 2-0. And the union have everybody up, including Andre Blake, to try to get some kind of goal back. And here, here goes uh, New York City just breaking out of the box. No goalie in the box. About to make it 3-0. And here comes Ray Gaddish just running from the penalty spot to the halfway line, getting the ball back for the union. And I'm like, look, it didn't matter if they would have scored three goals. No, it wouldn't have. But there's a guy who left everything on the line for the union, did whatever was asked for him. And, uh yeah, just uh, crazy that he's gone. Uh, can't believe it. I know a lot of fans, I mean, myself included, you know, I can remember saying, yeah, we need a new right back. We need a new right back. We need a player that's going to be attacking. Yeah, Ray's great defensively, but he didn't get forward as much as I would like, as much as a lot of fans would like. And um, I'm sure we'll probably struggle at times defensively, uh, but Nate and Olivier both like to go forward a lot more than Ray Gaddis does. So it, it'll be nice seeing the union's right side of the field actually attack with the right back. And as opposed to just having Ali Bedoya making those runs. So I'm sure we'll see Nate and Olivier both making those runs, but uh, j- just what a player, right? He, he went out as the union's all time leader in appearances, all time in minutes played all times and starts. And just, again, just going out as a champion, as a Supporter Shield champion. This guy's been through three U.S. Open Cup losses. This guy's been in so many different teams. And uh, to see a player be with a team for nine years is really, really, really incredible. And uh, just wish Ray Gaddis the best. And now here's the question between Union fans. Is Ray Gaddis good enough for the Union's Hall of Fame, for the Ring of Honor? Sorry. I talked about this a little bit on my show. The only player the Union have in the Ring of Honor is Sebastian Latou. Uh, and if you guys want to hear my thoughts, you can definitely go ahead and listen to that episode that I did, I think, two weeks, three weeks ago, whatever it is. Um, and I'll keep it short. I, I don't think he is. Uh, yes, he's, like I said, he's the all-time leaders in appearances and starts and minutes played. And he won a supporter shield. So it makes it easier, I guess, in a sense, because he has those kind of accolades. And you think, oh, yeah, then you put him in the ring mm-hmm. of honor. But for me, uh, near goals, uh, only has, I think, 10 assists in his career in nine seasons. Um, 
not really a flashy player, but I know the union are going to put him in. And so, uh, yeah, I'm not going to complain. Right. Uh, just those accolades I just gave off and everything they, they speak from themselves. And if Andre Blake sends a contract extension, stays here for a couple more season, then some of those stats, Andre Blake will pass Ray Gaddison. But for me, I don't think, I, I don't think he's a ring of honor player. Like it's, we see it all the time with the uh, pro football hall of fame. It's like, it's, it's the National Football Hall of Fame, or it's the Ring of Very, Very Good. I think Ray Gaddis is in the good, but not in the Ring of mm-hmm. Honor. So, look, if you're looking at Ray Gaddis for other teams, I have Ring of Honors, Hall of Fames. Would he make it on there? Probably not. So, I don't, I don't think, I don't think he should be in it, but I fully expect him to be in it. I would agree with that. I don't think, you know, um, I like Ray Gaddis. Uh, he liked one of my Instagram posts years ago. He probably doesn't remember that, but he did. And uh, <laughs> um, it's just, you know, I, I, like you said, not really flashy. It's just minutes played and, and appearances because he's, you know, been a utility guy that we could put anywhere, you know, um, at any time. Now, uh, let's look forward now to we won the Supporter Shield, which grants us uh CONCACAF Champions League and that's coming up uh very soon here it was like April 6th I think or that's the first set of games yeah, I think we're set, later yeah. than that I think we're the 7th and the 14th yeah so um you speak to union fans all the time what, what was your what, what are their thoughts on getting CONCACAF Champions League because for me I've always wanted to be in it that's why I also want to win the Open Cup um, so to finally be in it, I'm hoping that I can get a ticket to it when they open up sales to the general public. Um, cause I, I really want to be there in, in Subaru park for our first ever home game of the champions. League. And mind you, Todd, before you start, Jordan has jokingly in our last episode, given the title to union. Yeah. I said, there'll be the first MLS Cup to win. Let's go. I'll it was take- a joke. It was a joke, but yes, let's go. Yes, they, they, they take uh, Saprissa, uh, who play in the Costa Rican League. Uh, and honestly, look, I, I really don't know too much about them. And l- like we talked about a little bit earlier, that's why I bring on the experts that cover yeah, the yeah. team. So uh, I'll learn a little bit more about Saprissa. I know they recently fired their coach. They're going through some hard times right now. Uh, I believe they're second in the league. Uh, what else do I know? Uh, man, uh, Cortez, uh, he used to play for Bethlehem, Bethlehem Steel for the Union, and now he's playing back in Costa Rica. So that's a familiar face for Union fans to look forward to. Interesting. Um, what, what else? What else, right? Uh, but Union fans, I mean, we're all excited, right? Jordan's, I'm sure, super stoked. It sucks. Uh, it looks like we could potentially have 9,000 fans in Subaru Park. I know, like they say, oh, but you still got to be six feet apart and apart. Mm-hmm and everything so i think the union will try to get as close to that number it sucks honestly right that we can't have a full stadium for our first season in champions league because can you imagine that jordan just how loud how rocking that that stadium would be like yeah this is what we want to show everybody that look we can compete against teams in costa rica that we can compete against teams in mexico that we can compete against the teams in just other central america countries do you think we'll actually get close to nine thousand though if we can because i mean you know how casual mls fans have no idea about these side competitions like when we have open cup games that are not the final it's kind of empty in there at times so i I, that's what i was wondering but also it's going to be our first home game before the season starts so maybe you get some more people in 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's it's a Wednesday night game at eight o'clock, so yeah, it's during a work week, uh, late at night too. So ideally, we're not getting out of that stadium until ten ten thirty at night. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's the first game in over two years, uh, about yeah, over two years, right? Since uh, not not yet, but a year and a half, a little bit over that. Uh, it's been a while that a lot of fans have been into the stadium. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we were able to go to six games last season, but. At 2,000 capacity, it felt like there was only like 10 people in the stadium, let's be honest, uh, even though it wasn't that. But I don't know. I mean, look, I think there's a lot of diehard fans that have been waiting for this day. And the union, uh, since I'm a season ticket member, they, they sent out an email that said, okay, look, season ticket members, you guys either have to take the first two games as a bundle, the Champions League and the home opener in MLS, or then you opt out, don't get tickets for those two games, and then – Hopefully you guys can get tickets for uh, when they go on sale for the general public. So I think a lot of people are going to say, yes, opt in, opt in, because it's the first ever game. And I know a lot of union fans want to get down to Costa Rica. And I'm sure there probably will be some fans that are still going to try to get down there. I don't know what the restrictions are down in Costa Rica if there are a lot of fans, if they won't. Um, but yeah, I know a lot of union fans want to get down there for the first leg, uh, which can be kind of good for us if they don't let fans in in Costa Rica. Yeah, I'm sure that place would get pretty hostile, and uh, who knows how the union players would react in that. So that might be in our favor, but at the same time, I know a ton of fans want to get down there. Uh, for me, uh, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't know if I, I would travel down to Costa Rica, right? Uh, definitely going up to Chester to see that game. So just everybody's super stoked for this. Uh, People are upset. They're like, eh, our roster, a little bit upset because it's like, yeah, our roster, can, is this good enough to go far in the CONCACAF Champions League? Is it good enough to beat Saprissa? Uh, we'll, we'll see, right? Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about the roster a little bit later, so I won't get too much into that. But yeah, the general feeling is everybody's super-duper stoked for this game, and uh, myself included. Yeah, so guys, like, into our, so we're just going to push back, go attack, and back towards the defense. Uh, obviously, uh, biggest question, I think, people from the outside, people on the inside maybe, um, is Brendan Aronson not being there this year. How much is the team going to miss his presence? Uh, we'll, we'll definitely miss Brendan Aronson. But look, uh, just going back, uh, Brendan Aronson wasn't expected to do much in 2019. That's why they brought in Marco Fabian for Brendan Aronson to learn from Marco Fabian. Well, Marco Fabian picks up a red card, and it's like, okay, well, uh, next man up is Brendan Aronson. Go down to Atlanta, scores on his debut. Uh, 18-year-old Brendan Aronson scores on his debut, and it's like, okay, we might have something with this kid. And uh, I know Jim Curtin spoke about just how he's known Brendan and Paxton Aronson basically the whole life, just when he was an academy coach with the union, watching these guys come up through the academy and finally got to coach him in the first team. He'll get to coach Paxton Aronson this year with the first team. Uh, But... The biggest thing that Union fans had with Brendan Aronson is sometimes it's like, just shoot the ball and he would make too many passes. Uh, his shots weren't always there, so we wanted more attacking-wise, and that's where Anthony Fontana, I think, this guy's always shooting. He's always looking to shoot where uh, he had no assists last season. He's definitely more of an attacking player where Brendan Aronson is more of a assist provider, and he can score a goal. I think he has three goals right now for RB Salzburg two assists, something like that, in nine, ten games played, which is better than what he was doing with the Union goal-scoring-wise. But Brendan Aronson, I know that he was in 10. We, we play a 4-4-2 diamond formation. I, I think Brendan Aronson's more of an 
eight, uh, even though his dad said, yeah, he's a 10, but he, he plays more like an eight. And uh, that's good, though, that you're versatile, that you can play at different positions. I know you can even put him out there on the wing. So I, I look at Brendan Anson more as an eight, uh, just because as a number 10, I expect him to score goals, and he really wasn't scoring those goals for us. So his pressing was one of the best on the team. This guy... As soon as the whistle starts, as soon as he gets substituted off, this guy's running from the first minute till whenever Jim Curtin has his number up on the board. And uh, look, I remember young Brendan Aronson. This guy was so skinny in 2019. And it's like, this guy's getting hit off the ball so easily. And then 2020 gets here and he put on some weight. And you could tell it made a difference. He wasn't getting pushed off the ball as easily. Uh, he was getting fouls called against him. And it's like, this guy's still skinny. We're like, why are you calling fouls on Brendan Aronson when he's pushing off people that are like, 40 50 pounds heavier than this kid but uh yeah it's gonna suck not having him because that that, that pressing so well uh but it is finally anthony uh anthony fontana's time to shine as the number 10 uh jim Curtin talked about that in his press conference saying that he's giving anthony fontana the keys to play the number 10 role well yeah obviously that's what you're going to do jim because you don't have anybody else i mean i guess paxton aronson's there but he's 17 years old you're not going to start him out right away uh so yeah it sucks but to get six million dollars for brendan aronson plus an additional three million in achievable performance bonuses plus we had a sell-on fee between 10 to 20 percent yeah the the union made out pretty good i'd say um yeah so you just uh you just spoke about both of them. I was going to ask you a little bit about Paxton and, and the rest of the young players and how we're building it from there. But first you just spoke about Fontana, um, you know, who came in and had like six goals last year. There's that time where he just kind of came in, you know, off the bench late season scoring goals uh, helped us beat uh, the revs uh, in one of those later matches. Um, what what do you expect for him at, to be you know at the number ten or you know playing the creative role this year? Uh, I expect a lot of yellow cards <laughs> because look, <laughs> uh, the last two years Anthony Fontana he, as soon as he gets one he's super aggressive and uh, sometimes he makes a stupid challenge that's yellow yellow card worthy and now he has to be careful with his challenges so hopefully he's working on that in preseason and. I uh, won't get caught it as much, but I, I think, you know, it's kind of hard to change a player from playing that way. You grow up playing aggressive. It's kind of hard to get them, get that out of them. We, we see Jose Martinez, super aggressive player from Venezuela play last season. This guy, I mean, I remember that LAFC game. This guy had blood running all down his face because of challenges and he's picking up a yellow card here, yellow card there and had too many yellow cards at a time at one time. So he had to miss a couple games. And then eventually got called into uh, Venezuela's national team. And so, look, he's a guy who's super aggressive, and it's hard to get that out of players. So I think it's going to be hard to get that out of Anthony Fontana. I think we'll get goals, definitely not assist. Um, but honestly, look, uh, if I had it my way, I would bring in a completely number 10 uh, guy that's starting caliber, not saying Anthony Fontana isn't, because I think he is, he should be given his chance because fans have been calling for this for the last two, three years that, Hey, play Anthony Fontana. Look, I, I don't know if you remember this Jordan in 2018, Anthony Fontana gets a start against new England on his debut scores a goal. And everybody's like, yep. yes, th th like this guy, this is what we've been hoping for. Like nobody knew who Brendan Aronson was back then. It was all about Anthony Fontana. And so it's like, Hey Jim, let, let's give Anthony Fontana his chance. Let's give him his chance. 
well, now there's nobody else that can play the number 10 other than Anthony Fontana. I know fans are like, oh, put Jameer Montero there. He's more of a number eight. He's not an attacking player, in my opinion. If you put Jameer as a number 10, you lose so much more now defensively because, look, Brendan Aronson's gone. He does a lot of work defensively, work that Anthony Fontana doesn't really do. Like, he'll, he'll make challenges in the attacking third, but he, he really won't track back in our half defensively. Uh, so if I had it my way, I think Anthony Fontana is a fantastic super sub. Uh, if you need a goal coming off the bench, you put on Anthony Fontana. So I, I would go out and sign a new number 10, let him play the number 10 role and have Anthony Fontana coming off the bench. But look, it, it looks like that's not going to happen right now. So I'm expecting goals, yes, but there's going to be times too where we're like, why are we playing this kid? Like, He's still 21 years old, right? He, he's still young, and now he's going to get his chance to finally fully start, and uh, we'll, we'll see what he can do with that situation. Uh, all power to him. I'm excited to see what he can do. So you spoke to some of that youth, too. Um, they signed four homegrown midfielders. I think they're all underneath the age of 18. Um, can you kind of just speak to how Philly – one, have been successful bringing in youth. Like you said earlier in the show, I mean, they basically bring them in out of nowhere and they tend to do well. Can you kind of speak to success with youth, uh, with the union, and then kind of like who do you expect from those groups of the youth players to, to step up? Yeah, right. So, look, and you, you said we, we sign four homegrown players that are basically midfielders and then you throw in Nate Harriel, which is a fifth one. Uh, but look, I'd also include Cole Turner, who's from Churchville, Maryland. Yes, Cole, uh, representing Harford County. I, I'd expect him to be a basically a brand-new signing, too. He played in one game last year, made his debut against Montreal. Jack DeVries is another one who played, I think, in one or two games as a substitute, who's around 18, 19 years old. So we, we have a lot of young guys, and uh, they're, they're just, you know <sighs> – they're basically brand new, just like Paxson, just like Nate, just like Jack, just like Quinn, uh, just like Brandon. So we, we have a lot of young talent that we're going to be relying on if we don't make any more signings. But, um, yeah, I totally forgot what your question was. So <laughs> <laughs> just out of like, just out of those players, out of the, your youth, which yeah, ones yeah. really kind of do you expect to develop into something that's getting some I, good I minutes? I think I think all of them can develop into fine players. Um, I think Jack DeVries, again, even though this isn't his first official season, it's his second as a pro, I think he's going to get more minutes. We saw him get the start against Orlando City yep. in the first preseason game, and apparently, even though that game wasn't streamed and everything, just reading the Union's blog, apparently he had a couple good chances, and him and Kai Wagner were linking up very well on the left side of the field. So hopefully, you know, with Sergio Santos injured with a toe injury, Corey Burke, I would expect to start with Casper when we play Saprisa. But I don't know. If, if Jack keeps having a good camp, maybe Jim can do something that surprises us. And him and Casper maybe could be the starting strikers up top to start the season against Saprisa. I don't think it will happen, but it, it could potentially. Uh, but out of the, the new room signings, out of Quinn Sullivan, Brendan Craig, Nate Harriel, Paxson Aronson, uh, Jack McGlynn, I think out of all of them, I think it's probably going to be Nate Harrell, like I was talking. Him and uh, Olivier and Baizo have an open competition as a right back. I think out of all of them, Nate will get the most playing time. Yes, I know everybody's like, oh, let's see Paxton Aronson. Well, look, Paxton Aronson's only 17 years old. And this is something that Ernst Tenner, our sporting director, stressed a lot of. He said, look, uh, people got to realize that 
Paxton Aronson's younger than when Brendan was with this team. He's not going to be rushed into it. And I'm sure if the union had it their way in 2019, they wouldn't have rushed Brendan Aronson in there if it wasn't for Marco Fabian and getting a yellow card. So I, th- I think that's what you got to do with the young players. You got to, you got to bring them along slowly, but I guess if not Nate Harrell looking at that midfielder uh, group, uh, I would say maybe, I don't, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of hype around Jack McGlynn. I think he had four or five goals last season for you too. Um, but I'll, but I'll, I'll say Paxton Aronson because everybody says, oh, he's so much better than Brendan Aronson. He's more of a number 10 than Brendan is. He, he'll score you goals. He'll get you assists. So uh, I'll say Nate out of the five that we signed this season will get the most playing time. But midfielders, uh, yeah, I'll say Paxton Aronson. So you kind of mentioned the strikers in that. So my next question is just about, you know, that forward uh, depth there. Um, you know, it seems like that's always been a problem for the union is is finding a striker throughout its years. Uh, then Shabilko came in in 2019 and had a great season, 15 goals. Last year, though, kind of struggled, only had the eight. Um, Santos had eight. Uh, you know, compare that to Fontana having six after not playing much um and at times it seemed like casper was just you know missing some easy chances or it looked exhausted out there i know we did he did have covid at some point so maybe there's some lingering stuff there uh what and now we have Corey burke back we had the whole visa issue with Corey burke before but what do you think about our forwards here? Do you think that there is some cause for concern here? Cause you mentioned Santos having the turf toe uh, injury as well. Uh, yeah. Look, even on my show, I said the two signings we need to make is a number 10 and another striker. I want a flashy striker. Um, I, I feel like anybody wants a flashy striker. We, we all know that strikers are expensive. Look, ideally the striker that, I would have liked to seen the union kick the tires on, especially because he was so cheap is Logan's striker that Orlando city assigned Alexander Pato. It's a guy who had the world all around him when he was so young with the Brazil national team, a big star player at AC Milan and him and El Sino are really, really good friends. And I was like, look, it makes sense. Like this guy is it's interesting. You can get him on a free, uh, I know El Senior and him play uh, Warzone, Call of Duty all the time. Uh, El Senior is like a part-time soccer player, part-time streamer now. And I'm like, this makes perfect <laughs> sense because Pato and El Senior are constantly playing with e- each other. And so I'm sure El Senior is probably putting it in his ear. Hey, look, uh, you have no club that wants you. Come to MLS, come to MLS. But what I didn't expect was him to go to Orlando City. Uh, maybe I should have not been surprised by that because look uh the weather down in florida is so much better than the weather is in pennsylvania and so a guy coming from brazil used to warm climate it's going to suit his game probably better and but they also got the brazil connection brazilian ownership and management (laughs) yeah yeah exactly so that that all plays a part into it uh yeah so i mean if the union were going to do something i was like yeah potter would be cool uh alex alex share who was playing in the chinese super league uh that's another brazilian guy who's friends with el senior played together at shakhtar i was like this guy the union can get him on a free let's bring him in well i think he signed with a club in saudi arabia i think it was someplace in the middle east so that's obviously not happening but you know there's so many more strikers that you can bring in that are flashier uh but look 
uh, before I came onto the show, I, I did some numbers and everything. And you're right. Look, comparing Casper's 2019 to 2020, in, in 2019, Casper played in 26 games. Uh, in 2020, Casper also played in 26 games. Uh, the difference is he scored 15 goals in 2019, eight goals in 2020. I had four assists in 19, seven in 2020. But look, here's the thing, too, that I think a lot of fans forget about Casper is, in 2019, he missed eight of 34 games due to injuries. This guy is why he got out of Germany because he had so many injuries to his feet. And they're like, I don't know if this guy can ever be a professional soccer player ever again. And the union sign him and rehab him and give him his chance. And everybody's like, whoa, who is this? But isn't that the story of the union, Logan? Like where we have streaky strikers. Like one season, CJ Sapong in 2017 had 16 goals, I believe it was. And it's like, okay, we find our striker. And then 2018, he disappears. 2019, we finally have a striker. And look, we're not even paying him DP money. 2020, he disappears. And yeah, it's just crazy looking at those numbers. So like I said, in 2019, 26 games, he had 15 goals, four assists. He played 2,242 minutes. And so if you divide all that, that comes out to be a goal every 149 minute played. And if you look in 2020, he had 26 games played, eight goals, seven assists, and he pay, played a little bit less than he played minutes-wise in 2019, but not much. He still play, played 2,224 minutes in 2020, and that comes out to be a goal every 278 minutes. Yeah, that that is a terrible for a striker, yeah. right? And, and looking at stats and everything, you're like, yeah, Casper had a terrible season, but I, I don't think it is as bad as union fans make it out to be. And uh, I'm sure people on my, sh- that listen to my show are probably like, yeah, why, why are you defending this guy? Eight goals as a striker in 26 games. That's terrible. Uh, a goal every 278 minute played. Yeah. That's like, why would you want that? But look, uh, Casper, he, he ran into so much space last season that opened up chances for Sergio Santos. His pressing, I think probably the best out of the striker group. Sergio Santos is up there too, but th- th- there's times where you-, you get angry at Sergio. It's like, why why aren't you pressing Sergio? Like, he's just walking. And it's like, you can't be tired yet. Um, but Casper, he- he'll press you from the first minute to the end. And that's one player Jim Curtin doesn't take off of the fielders, Casper Shabelko. And I'm sure a lot of that is because Casper is good at running into that space, taking two defenders with him, being that target man. And yeah, you're right, Logan. He, he had a lot of chances last season that, completely missed that he's putting away in 2019 that he should have in 2020 who knows why maybe like you said he had COVID to start the year and maybe his fitness levels weren't there but like I said look he played 2224 minutes compared to 2242 minutes in 2019 so it's not that far off but uh, for whatever the reason was he just couldn't find the back of the net yeah his assists were up but it's it was concerning that he was missing easy chances. It's like, Casper, how, how, how did you miss that? And, um, yeah, hopefully 2021, he comes back fitter and put away those chances. But look, here's the thing that actually surprised me very, very much. So was I, I looked at Sergio Santos's numbers from last season. And this is a guy who <laughs> gets substituted at, at the 60 minute mark, 65th minute mark. So he played in 24 games last season, not including the playoffs. And that only came out to be 1,393 minutes played, which came out to be an average of 58 minutes per game that he would play, and then he gets substituted off. He had 11 goals last season, three assists. That's including goals in MLS's back. Like you said, he had eight goals in the regular season, but I'm um, counting the three goals he scored in MLS's back. Uh, he had 20 starts, though, out of 24 games played. In, in those 20 starts, he played 1,297 minutes. 
which came out to be an average of 64 minutes. So like I said, around the 60th, 64th, 65th minute, he'd get substituted out. And in those 24 games that he played last season, he averaged a goal every 126 minute, which comes out that he's scoring a goal in every game and a half. So he goes a game without scoring. And then the next game uh, around the halfway mark, he's scoring a goal. And so look, if the 2020 season was a full 34 games, instead of the 24 games that we played, then the stats would have came out to be 16 goals for Sergio Santos, 1,973 minutes played. So I added his average of 58 minutes times 10 extra games. And then that comes out to be a goal every 123 minutes played. That's a pretty good striker. That's exactly what Casper did, but in less minutes. And so it's like, if this guy can get his fitness levels up, we potentially have a 20 plus goal striker on our hand. And what I found even interesting is, look, um, Diego Rossi, I think we can all agree, is a really good player for LAFC, one of the best in MLS. And so in 2019, Diego Rossi, uh, he had 34 games played for LAFC. He scored 16 goals. He played 2,899 minutes that whole season. He scored a goal every 181 minutes, which is a goal in every two games. Now, look, sitting here, I think you guys can agree that Diego Rossi is a better player than Sergio Santos. You guys can agree that, I'm sure. Uh, but oh, I don't know about no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the, the LAFC fans that are listening to this podcast would say, Yeah, Jordan, I'm not listening to this. Podcast. <laughs> I was gonna say it's our lower view, that's our lower, it's one of our lower listen to They're ones. We're fine, we're fine. <laughs> right, so, yeah, LAFC said, Yeah, we, we, we don't care about your opinions. <laughs> but look, uh, Diego Rossi was in MLS team of the year last season. I thought it was really interesting to see that Sergio Santos. He still wouldn't have broke 2,000 minutes played this season, just adding his averages. But 16 goals in 34 games, that's really good. And if he can add fitness to his game, if he can stay healthy, because that's the thing too. Uh, Sergio Santos missed three games last season. In 2019, he had a sprained ankle. He missed five games. Uh, in two, uh, 2018, 2019 season, season uh, he missed time. Due to, actually, he had three injuries in 2019, sorry. Uh, sprained ankle, muscle injury, muscle injury. He missed a total of 12 games in 2019, which is a ton of games. 12 games you missed out of 34 games. Yeah, that's not good. So, I mean, this guy could stay healthy. He, I think he would score a ton of goals for the Union. If he could go farther than 65 minutes, I, I think we have a really, really, really good striker on our hands. Now, hopefully, Sergio Santos, like we said, uh, he's injured right now, of course, uh, and there's talks that he might not even be ready for the Saprissa game. But uh, if this guy can just somehow find it in himself to p- push past the 65th minute mark, I wouldn't be surprised if he scores 20 goals just looking at the stats. Now, granted, look, we know stats don't always tell the whole picture, just like I, I can make the case for Casper had a better season than his eight goals, seven assists last season just because of what he was doing off the ball. But... Yeah, I'm concerned with Sergio's injury, and now that you just rely on Corey Burke, Casper, and Jack DeVry. So even if Sergio was healthy, I would still bring in another striker because, look, the teams that are going to have success are going to have a deep bench. Did the Union have a deep bench? No, I don't think they do. I do think that they do have one of the stronger starting 11s in MLS, even though they haven't done much business. But look, these guys, most of them have been playing together for two, three seasons now, and that goes such a long way where I look at FC Cincinnati where – Oh, yeah, they're, they're spending the cash, but that's great and everything, signing DP players. But this is going to be the first season that these guys have played together, and they're not going to know their runs. They're not going to know how each other plays compared to how the union 
they're used to those runs. They're used to playing in the formations because they've been playing with each other for the two to three years. So a, a little bit concerned, but just looking at those number, numbers for Sergio Santos, yeah, I think he could have a break season in 2021. So kind of move it back into the defensive side. Obviously the best defense in the league last year as far as giving up no, basically no goals. That's what it seems. Um, I think that at one point it, or it might have been the end of the season where they had, I think it was like 0.8 something goals per game. It was. Yeah. Um, something insane. Uh, how how much of that was due to Mark McKenzie being there in the back? And, you know, what what's that look like going forward? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, losing Mark McKenzie is huge. Uh, There's so many times last season going to games in person, which uh, just any of your listeners that have never been to a soccer game in person, you've got to at least go to one because, look, the, we, we all know that. Logan. Uh, Logan. Oh, hey. You go to Orlando. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, don't call me out. I've been to Charleston <laughs> Battery Games. Would you chill? pretty good you went down to charleston it's a pretty good yep. usl team it's a great yeah it's a great stadium too but they just closed it sad yeah, sad sad yeah that's what it's what i was reading uh my family and i we go down to middle beach every year and i was like you know charleston's not that far from middle beach i would love to get down there to see a game and everything because one of the best teams in mls i mean usl <laughs> i'm sure they wish they would be in mls but <laughs> yeah right <laughs> backing <laughs> but yeah mark mckenzie i mean just watching this guy during the season this guy would just go and put out fires. And a lot of times on TV, you're just following the ball. In person, you can just watch what Mark McKenzie is doing. And this guy would – it would look like a team would have a breakaway. And Mark McKenzie would be somehow catching up to the attacker. And he would be able to just cut out a chance that a team thought for sure that they were going to be able to score – and because of his pace, because of his intelligence, just back there on the back line, yeah, it's going to be hard to replace, and he's comfortable playing off his left, off his right. Uh, but Jacob Lesnus and Jack Elliott, look, these guys have experience playing with each other. I'm fine with both of these guys playing. Yeah, they don't have the pace that Mark McKenzie had, which, you know, hopefully he gets here. You know, uh, the whole visa issues. Uh, we signed his center back, Stuart Finley from Scotland, who – his big thing, his big attribute to his game is his pace. And he's the left-footed center back, which we haven't had since Austin Trusty. So hopefully he can get his visa figured out. Hopefully he can get into the country before the season starts. But yeah, I, I wouldn't, even if we get him in, let's say next week, I, I wouldn't expect him to be ready fitness-wise by the time Saprissa rolls around. Maybe not even in time for the first MLS game. So yeah, it's going to be tough to replace Mark McKenzie. I just a guy that he's 21 and to call him a leader, like it seems weird. Like you think leaders are players that are so much older that wear the captain's armband, but Mark McKenzie is without a doubt a leader back there for the union, just commanding the players in front of him, commanding the box around him. So it's going to be difficult to replace Mark McKenzie, but I'm, I'm happy with the business the union did selling Brendan Aronson, selling Mark McKenzie both for $6 million dollars. Now the union have twelve million dollars at their hand that they've only spent. Yeah, that we're really, we're really throwing our weight around with that twelve yeah. million. Uh. <laughs> or, or, or if uh, I don't know any of your listeners are fans of the uh, Sons of Band, the Pod, but they had Carl Mandel, who's in charge of uh, productions for the union, and yeah, he came out and said, yeah, that that brand new video board that we got. Uh, we, we spent DP money for that in the range of Josie Altador, which is between five, 
$6 million. Wow, so yeah. oh, half of that money that we got from Brendan Aronson and Mark McKenzie went to the video board. So, but, but I kid, you know, uh, oh, maybe I don't kid, but yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's frustrating that the union finally have money. Jay Sugarman doesn't have to touch any of his own money because we got money from selling Brendan Aronson and Mark McKenzie and to only spend 300,000 of it's disappointing. Uh, but granted, look, all teams were affected by COVID last season. So I knew yeah. we weren't going to touch all 12 million of that. That's something I've been saying on my show is look, this yep. money is going to go to the losses that the team took without selling a full, full season of tickets, not selling concessions. Uh, so I expected that money to go towards making up for the losses going back into the Academy. But I still thought the union have four to $5 million to spend, but uh, yeah, 300,000. That's all I've spent. And Saprisa is right around the corner. I don't before, know. <laughs> uh, b- before we before we talk about the goalies and Blake and Freeze and re-signing Bendick with all that twelve million, uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts real quick on on the new kit. You know, the uh, you're, you're giving all one the money away, <laughs> right? You're giving one away, right? But what's the uh, what was your thoughts on it? Yeah. So. Um... I, I didn't know if you guys wanted me to plug this or not, but yeah, Jordan's right. I'm, I'm giving away a jersey. You guys have until the 18th of April to sign in for this competition. All you've got to do is follow the uh, Twitter account, AfriKickPod. Uh, you get three ways of entry. One, you tag a friend. Two, you retweet it, and then you get two more entries if you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts by searching the Free Kick Podcast, Todd Lewis. Um, but yeah, this this 2021 away jersey is phenomenal. I don't know if you guys saw this, but a website over in England, I, bl- I believe they're based off of, uh, called uh, footyheadlines.com. They ran a survey, yeah. and the union's kit came second for all kits that were released in February of 2021, uh, which is pretty good, right? And I, I have a, just connections with, like I said earlier, uh, doing Premier League podcasts, so... I have a lot of friends that I talk to still that have been on the show at one point or another, or just however I met them and everything. They're like, yeah, this kid is really, really, really sick. Like for an MLS kid, look, we're all used to just a generic white kid or a generic black kid. Everybody's looking the same. The union go out of the way, go out of the box and get a phenomenal Jersey adding gold and blue sons of bang colors. And yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we, we might look like the, uh, LA, well, I can't even say LA. Yeah, yeah, LA Chargers. Yeah, LA Chargers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, LA Chargers. Uh, yeah, we might look like them a little bit, but uh, you, you got to remember Chargers fans. If any Chargers fans are listening to this, uh, Philadelphia's flag is the Chargers color. So what what came first, the Chargers or Philadelphia? So you you can't say, oh yeah, the the Union are stealing our our kit. No, it's not how it works. So. And yet this jersey is beautiful. I don't have one yet myself. I don't know about you. So it's crazy, right? I'm giving away an away jersey before I even get my hands on one. But <laughs> it's, it's all about giving back to people that listen to the podcast. And uh, I can't wait to see this thing in person. Yeah, I don't have one yet. I instead, I, I bought uh, three, um, the three Maryland Bobcats kits. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. So I bought those as a three pack, and I said, you know what, I'm gonna. Also, they were out of my size too for the for the um, union one at that time. So I was like, I- I'll wait for that, I guess, for my birthday or so. Uh, but just uh, last question about the defense. 
Um, you alluded to Andre Blake and and maybe you know Matt Freeze stepping in there if Blake were to leave or whatever. Um, so I would assume Bendix probably you know third on the depth chart. Yeah. There. Um, but uh, do you see Blake staying uh, much longer? And do you think he can keep his 2020 form? Because you know he's had he kind of came to us great when he first started and kind of had a lull in form for a bit and is now back. Yeah, absolutely. I think Andre Blake can continue with his form in 2021 like he had in 2020 because we brought in a new goalkeeper coach, and I think that went a long way to help Andre Blake get his confidence right back. And look, Andre Blake had an injury near the end of the season and then didn't look great against New England, but I would argue there isn't much he can do against New England and those two goals that the Union conceded in, in the playoff loss. Uh, look, uh, all, all signs just showing that Matt Freeze is going to potentially be the goalkeeper in 2022. He just signed a new long-term deal. Andre Blake signed a contract extension with the Union in 2018. It was a three-year deal with a cl- club option for the fourth year which runs the fourth year option was for this season. And then next season he could leave as a free agent. Now could the union sign him to a contract extension and try to sell him to Europe? Look, he's 30 years old and we, we all know goalies can play until the 40. So realistically, maybe Andre Blake has another 10 years left on him. Uh, I know there was at times that, Crystal Palace and West Brom, I want to say maybe, were interested in Andre Blake back in 2016, but he couldn't make that that move because Jamaica weren't high enough in the FIFA rankings. And I don't know where they stand right now. Uh, so hopefully they're a little bit higher. If, if they are, could Andre Blake potentially head over to Europe? Does he want to go to Europe? Who, who knows? He seems like he's happy in Philadelphia. It seems like his family's happy in Philadelphia. Um... I think he will have a big season, but with Matt Freeze signing that contract extension, you're, look, you're, you're not signing a contract extension to sit behind behind Andre Blake again for another two, three, four years. So, yeah, yeah, this could potentially be Andre Blake's last season. I think he's the best goalkeeper in MLS, which is hard to see him leave. But look, Matt Freeze is away right now with U23s. This guy could potentially rival Zach Steffen for the number one spot for the full national team. Now, I don't think anybody's close to Zach Steffen, but Matt Freeze, why not Matt Freeze? If he gets a chance with Philadelphia Union to be a regular starter, plays well, yeah, why why, why not just give Matt, Matt, Matt Freeze the keys to challenge Zach Steffen for the national team number one spot? So, uh, I mean, it's so hard to tell, right? Just because Andre Blake spent so much of this team. We saw him have a back, bounce back season 2021 MLS goalkeeper of the year. He was included in MLS team of the year. We, we've seen Andre Blake make so many saves. Look, I, I said on my show during the season, Andre Blake probably saved us nine points last season because of some of the same saves he made. Uh, just, so to say, mm, yeah, what, what, okay, Andre, Andre Blake, you're gone after the season. We'll let you leave on a free. Yeah, it's kind of a tough pill to swallow, but just seeing Matt Freeze sign that contract extension, I'm like, okay, maybe the union are uh, preparing us union fans for what's to come. All right, so last question here is the big one. It is, 
what is a successful season for Philadelphia Union? You know, they've been growing in step-by-step from, you know, getting to the playoffs, winning a playoff game, winning Supporter Shield. Ultimately, the, the goal is MLS Cup, but uh, what what's a successful season for them this year? Oh, man. Uh, will they win the Supporter Shield again? No, they, they definitely will not win the Supporter Shield this year. I would love to see the Union get past Saprissa in the CONCACAF Champions League. If they do that, uh, yeah, sure, let's say it's a successful season already, even though Saprissa, you know, they're, they're struggling a little bit right now. Uh, but, look, in the U.S. Open Cup is not going to be like a normal U.S. Open Cup. I believe MLS is taking whoever has the best record in the first few games played in the regular season, and we don't even know what the full season schedule is going to look like for MLS other than the Union open against Columbus and then into Miami. I don't know. Is is it possible the Union start 0-2 to start the season for MLS? Yeah. Uh, Do I think it's going to happen? No. Uh, I expect them to probably lose to Columbus because the Union always start off so terribly the first game in the season, especially when it's on the road, and Columbus had our number last season, and throughout the history, Columbus has had the Union's number. But a successful season would be getting past Saprissa, getting in the playoffs, I would say, even with moves that teams have made so far this season, I I would say top four, maybe top five. Top four has... Uh, yeah, I'll say top five. If the Union get into the top five in the Eastern Conference standings, I think that's good. They get into the playoffs if they win a playoff game. I think that's successful. Yeah, obviously, we want to see the Union lift MLS Cup. We want to see them, okay, look, they, two years ago, 2019, they, they won an MLS playoff game against the Pink House. Now let's see if they can do back-to-back MLS playoff games. Yeah, I mean, that would be great to see the Union win two playoff games this season, but losing Mark McKenzie, losing... Brendan Aronson, yeah, they're, they're tough guys to replace, especially if the union don't do any more work <laughs> this season. Um, I do think we will see the union do work. In the summertime, I think we could see the union make a couple signings. I don't think they'll make any more signings until that summer transfer window opens up. Yes, the transfer window is open up right now, but it's really hard for teams like, especially European teams where they're – more than halfway down their season and say, okay, yep, we're going to sell you so-and-so right now. He can go ahead and leave, especially if they're a key starter. Um, I, I just don't see that happening. And maybe that's something that union fans aren't thinking of right now where teams in Europe, if the union do indeed go to Europe to buy some more players, they're not going to let their players leave right now. So if the union make moves, it's going to be in the summertime. So uh, I would say successful season is getting past Saprissa. I don't think they're getting into the U.S. Open Cup. If they do, great on them. And two playoff wins. That that would be a successful season. But at the same time, if they won the first game in the CONCACAF Champions League against Saprissa, if they won one playoff game this season, I, I think I'd be happy just seeing how young this team is, seeing what they've lost. And if they don't make any more moves, I'd be happy. But, you know, there's a lot of union fans out there that say, hey, look, you're giving them the benefit of the doubt. Spend money. They have money to spend. This team needs to be better than what they're showing us. Look, and I'll argue that 2019, the union overachieved. In 2020, I think they probably overachieved as well. But Jim Curtin and Ernst Tanner, well, look, honestly, look, those guys too said in the past that, yeah, we we achieved a little bit more than we thought we were going to. 
uh, to see automatic success in 2019 when Ernst Center officially took over for his first season. It's really, really promising. And But, I, 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 yeah, we, we want to see trophies. Like, that's what you want to see. You have $12 million. Spend the money, but it's not going to happen. And, yeah, people are going to say, yeah, you're letting him off the hook, Todd. But, yeah, just get one playoff win this season. Get past Saprissa in the first round of the CONCACAF Champions League, and I'll be happy. All right. Did you want to plug your plug your show one more time and where people can find you? Yeah, definitely. And uh, I just want to say, hey, thank you so much, Jordan and Logan, for having me on the show. I love that y- you guys said, hey, look, we had so much fun talking Premier League. Logan, will you join me, Jordan, and talk about MLS? I know you haven't been to any MLS games, <laughs> but, Jordan, but let's get you into MLS this season. So props to you, Logan, for saying, hey, look, I'm going to give MLS a full go because – we, we, we know as Americans that there's still a stigma for MLS soccer. Fans still look down on it, but MLS is getting better. It is getting so much better. 2017's when I first looked at MLS because David Buckham came over here, turned it off. 2017's when I came back to it. And to see how much the league has grown from 27 to 2017, it's a day difference. And then to see it from 2017 to 2021, what it is right now, man, you're coming in at a perfect time, Logan. And super, super excited to see you say, hey, look, I'm going to be a season ticket member at Orlando City. Going to go to games. Going to give this MLS thing a go. Joining Logan and Jordan on this podcast, just you guys, you guys got a good thing going and looking forward to listening to the rest of your episodes. But if you guys like listening to me ramble for what, the last hour, hour and a half, I don't know how long we talked. Uh, <laughs> you can go ahead and check out the podcast by searching The Free Kick, Todd Lewis on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get you guys podcast, you can find it there. Nothing but Philadelphia Union, but like I said, uh, whenever the union play a, te- a specific team, then I try to bring on a guest of that team that covers that team. So, uh, yeah, you can check it out for that. If you're interested in the trivia show that I did, yeah, check that out as well. And wherever you guys have social media, whether that's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, check it out at Free Kick Pod. And you guys can check out the website, thefreekickpodcast.com. And hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully I write some articles because I'm like, yeah, I-, I upload episodes on there, but it's like, I can get so much more for this website. So hopefully I do something, but it's all about being motivated to do it. So again, Jordan and Logan, uh, thank you guys so much for having me on the podcast and uh, just had a blast. Yeah. Thanks for jumping on. And that was Todd Lewis at it's a Todd life on Twitter or the free kick pod at free kick pod. Uh, that was uh what was your what was your thought on union i know you were pretty down on them before we started recording was yeah. there anything here that made you think a little higher about them or uh, your main takeaway here you know i think uh, todd does a fantastic job of going into some of the stats uh he presented some really good information um about santos and i would butcher this name please help me um what's the shabilko shabilko yeah so look here here's the thing act like there's no p there yeah or r shabilko shabilko there you go that's so like come on now it's that p z it's craziness it's craziness shabilko anyway uh i think that you know Given a full season and given that they're healthy, I think that that's definitely something to watch. I'm still concerned a little bit about just overall consistency, to be honest with the union. I think that while those were good stats and and I understand that there's some, you know, 
looking into, you know, gaps between when they don't score and they're out of form. Um, I'm still a little hesitant to think that that is something that will fix itself. I think inconsistencies might be the story of the union season this year. Um, if you're looking at the attack, I think that it's, it's a young attack and I think getting younger, uh, once they start putting in some of these guys, um, obviously, uh, with Fontana being the number 10, I think that that's going to be a learning curve for him, um, in, in many places and trying to put together a whole full season of MLS, um, as a 21 year old, as somebody that's going to be the creator in the midfield, I think that that's something that'll be interesting to watch. I think that the homegrowns that they've brought in are, are very interesting talents, but I think it'll take a couple of years, obviously they're 16, 17, 18, 19 years old. And some of them are even listed on the depth chart, two or three behind some of these big time attacking players. And like Todd said, I think you've got one of the best starting 11s, but I worry about depth as soon as an injury happens you know, what are you really looking at as far as what you're going to put on the pitch? Yeah. And, and you know, you know, you, you were t- texting with me beforehand as well. Like, Hey, why do you guys want a number nine? You guys have Santos and Shabilko and their stats seem okay. But uh, you know, Todd kind of went into detail a bit why that was an issue. Santos with injury issues. Casper has injury issues before he got here. And then he had COVID and then it was just a weird season. Um, So it is a little worrying and we do have this trend. I think that we're a little um, suspicious of as well of like he mentioned where you have a striker that's on fire the next year they drop off. And and it's kind of like, like Corey Burke had a good season. Then he had visa issues. He's gone. Uh, Shavoka has a good season. Then he had a down year, you know, like it's stuff like that where CJ Sabong had a good year one year, then the next year, not, you know, uh, where, where it kind of becomes this trend that you're, you're worried about and you just want to get a proven striker, you know, somebody that goes out there and, and you know from his full career that he's, that he's you know, consistent. Um, the other issue is, as he mentioned, Fontana gets lots of yellow cards. If he's the number 10 and he gets a suspension due to those yellow cards, then who's your 10, right? So it becomes this issue too where, uh, like you said, we're kind of thin. Uh, we're hoping we're buying somebody. And I know, I know people that if you listen to stoppage time, you might think, well, Jordan's just a pessimist. He never thinks Chelsea's going to win anything. Uh, I, and this is not coming from a pessimistic spot, but I, I'm expecting regression here. You know, there's a few factors for it. It was a weird COVID year where you're only playing certain teams. And like I said before, we got so many points off the revs. They pretty much handed us uh, a supporter shield. And then, they were like, you can have this, but we'll knock you out of the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> it's a deal. <laughs> and you know what? Deal. We, we, took, the, we took the trophy. Um, for me, a successful season is just make the playoffs. And I understand Todd, as Todd said, even if you drop to the you know fifth spot, it's a successful season. And I understand Philly fans, hardcore Philly fans. That's the thing. Me and Todd are from Maryland, so we're not in that scene. But Philadelphia fans are probably, like he said, saying, you're letting them off the hook. They just got all this money. They should have spent it. You just won the supporter shield. You're supposed to do better. But we won the supporter shield due to unbalanced schedule, only playing a regional opponents. Um, we could have won it anyway, I guess. We don't really know. We, we'll never know. Um, but if we don't get close to that this year, I don't see that as a disappointment disappointment will be missing the playoffs because if you get into the playoffs anything can happen 
And that's what I want. I just want to get in the playoffs. Anything can happen. Before, I always wanted to win the East um, or challenge for the supporter shield. I was like, if we could do that, that would be great. And now we did that. We have a trophy. There's nothing to prove right now by winning the supporter shield over again, except for that it wasn't a fluke, I guess. But I would rather win MLS Cup now and just get in. You just get in. I mean, right now we're recording this while the March Madness is going on. And you can look at teams like Ohio State that just were upset while we were recording our Nashville one that they were a two seed. Guess what? Doesn't matter. The team that just got in knocked them out. And that's what the union can do. You get in, survive the storm of the weird 2021 season that's going to be, and just make that push get into the playoffs, make sure it's a home playoff game. So that'd be like top four that you'd really want to get. But even if you fall out of the top four, a road game, maybe less pressure on you. You go in, you knock off a team the way Nashville did against Toronto. And, you know, you're, you're set, you're, you're going onward. And um, to me, that's fine. I, I mean, I would like to get a few rounds into the playoffs, obviously, but getting in overall season wise is successful. Yeah, I think, and, and, you know, you look at teams too. Um, Columbus crew wins MLS cup. They go out and add a couple pieces. I think Philly fans, and it's not really that common for people that win titles to go out and add pieces um, and spend a ton. And so the fact that while the union had a successful season supporter shield, they don't go out and spend a ton, but that's not really ever been their recipe for success. I feel like their recipe for success has been, let's well, add maybe yeah. some of these, you know, supplemental pieces while building from the youth. That's kind of been their forte. Yeah, I can see Philadelphia fans' frustrations because they always said, we're going to build in the youth, we're going to sell, because you got to build the youth, but you also want to see us bring in uh, some consistent players as well. I'm not worried about the defense. Mark McKenzie left, but Jack Elliott can fit in there. Glesnus can fit in there. Then you have uh, Kai Wagner. Maybe a little worried about the right back spot, but uh, we'll see that. Um, you know, the, the midfield is is pretty solid. Um, I think people forget because how well Aronson's doing over in Salzburg is that, you know, there was frustration with him not shooting enough and always trying to make a pass and sometimes just losing the ball, getting pushed off the ball. Uh, Fontana is going to take those shots. So maybe that's going to make the team better as a whole. You still have Elsino be able to come on as a, as a bench player when inevitably Santos has to come off due to only making it 60 minutes. Um, and that's another issue with the strikers is not only with, with the injury issues, but the fact that with injury also Santos when healthy or, all of last season would be coming off, like Todd said, around the 60, 59th minute or so. So, you know, that's a little concern because then, you know, the good thing is we're kind of deep there right now with, with Burke. If he doesn't, you know, he should have no visa issues anymore. Then you have um, Santos, Shabilko, but you want another piece there. You want another one or two players that help that depth and not Jack DeVries, who um, is a youngster that, you know, hasn't really, uh, is coming sign, you know, coming up from the from the youth setup and stuff. So, 
uh, you typically want somebody more experienced there to have that depth. And that's when you look at Nashville's attack that we just talked about last episode and think, man, I wish we just had, you know, you know, two pieces of depth at the attack like they do because they're pretty set. Um, especially when you're a team that was challenging for the supporter shield last year and you want to make that next step. Ultimately we'll see. Um, I'm not like super down on the team. I just think that there'll be regression, natural regression. And uh, as long as we stay in the playoff spots, we'll be fine. Like Todd said, try to get through Saprisa, but you know, even though they're having a pretty bad time, like you said, they're, if they're still in second place, their their division, if they're still, um, you know, they got into the champions league, you know, you just worry about crashing out and having no, you know, fortifying forces to help you out in the champions league and being looked at as a team that maybe didn't take it seriously is a regret. Uh, but anyway, let's go ahead and wrap this up. We will have a uh, Friday on our Friday episode. We're going to be talking New England Revolution. Um, who do we got for that, Logan? Yeah, so we've got the guys coming over from Revolution Recap, and they're going to recap the revolution. <laughs> um, excellent, right? Uh, wow, oh. they do exactly what they say. That's great. <laughs> great. Yeah, right. But, uh, no, they're coming over and then. It'll be fun because they're a, it says they're a pro Matt Turner podcast. So um, I, maybe there's some underlying beef with uh, non Matt Turner podcasts. I don't know, but yeah, they're coming on and joining us and we're talking revolution who a bunch of people are really high on. Yes. Uh, and uh, in that episode will be our, I think that's where we're going to go ahead and put the outside the box segment of the week so make sure you listen to that uh because it's going to be a lot of fun so uh we will catch you all next time you can follow us on twitter at stateside show instagram at stateside show facebook.com slash you guessed it stateside show email stateside show at gmail.com and we will catch you all next week what no no we'll catch you all friday for the revs and then we'll catch you next week sorry <laughs> we did too many Throwing his body in, it's going to fall for Ibrahimovic! Oh, come on! Come on! Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. Men's National Team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show, presented by Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.